Thank you for listening to the Resting Place Church podcast. Our dream is that your heart would find rest as we learn to practice the ways of Jesus faithfully. So we hope this message both blesses and encourages you. Welcome to Fun Month. So, um, yeah, I think church... I'm going to have to take these glasses off because I can't see you. <laughs> this is what it is. The shade is whatever. I will cut my light on since I can't have my glasses on. I'm in the lab. Those are dangerous in the lab. Uh, so, but I will say um, I believe that church should be fun. Um, I believe that it should be light, should be easy. Um, and I think that Christians take themselves way too serious most of the time. Um, there's a guy, his name's John Crowder. He says this, he's like, your life's a joke. You just haven't learned to laugh at it yet. (laughs) And it's pretty funny. I like that. Um, but I want to just start off with the first message in this series. Um, I've got joy and I want to read from the Bible. Um, and, and hopefully what I want to do is kind of take you on a journey Um, Last week, we did talk about grief, um, and we're now doing a whole series on joy. And so I'm going to try to, yeah, make those two mesh really well together. But a lot of times, you can't say this statement. You can't say, I've got joy. Sometimes that's, that's not true for you. Sometimes it's not a reality for you. But I want to take you kind of on a journey Um, over the next four weeks that despite circumstances and despite life that wherever you're at whatever you're doing you can you can confidently say I have joy I, I may not be happy and this season may be terrible and I may not be having a good time but I want you to be able to confidently say I've got joy and so um I want to jump into Galatians really quick Galatians 4 We'll start in verse 1, and I'm going to break this verse up kind of for you, um, or these verses up for you, because it's, it's important that you see that there is a, there's kind of a change of pace even in, in the first part of Galatians 4. It says this, it says, think of it this way, if a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age the father has set. Listen to this. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. Before Christ came. We were like children. Listen, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Break in the text. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. 
now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I'm going to read two more verses from John chapter 17. John 17, 13, first. It says this, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they may be filled with my joy. I told them many things when I was with them so that they would be filled with my joy. Skip down. This is one of the things that he told them in in verse 23. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So this is Jesus talking to God and he's praying. And one of his prayers is that you would know, we would know that God loves us, the Father loves us with the same love as he loved Jesus with. That was one of his prayers. That was one of the things that he told his disciples so that they would be full of joy. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you do love us with the same love that you love Jesus. There is no difference in that love and the love that we experience now. Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with joy. You would fill us with joy. For the person who doesn't know how to navigate life right now, I pray that you would fill them with joy. That no matter the decisions that they make, no matter whether they turn to the right or the left, that they would have joy doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody can give it up for um, Peter Parker this morning. My son, Peter Parker. This is my son. If you have not watched The Avengers yet, Shame on you. I'm totally joking. No shame on you. But you should watch all of them immediately. Um, Start today. You can do what I did when Tom took me on my journey. Now, there's way more movies than this now, but I did watch, I did watch 26 movies in 25 days, you know? So you got to get, you have to have that level of, of get after it with you. Um, But I want to talk about having joy, and I want to really elaborate on some of the things that I read a little bit. Um, One of the reasons that, and I may not preach from my notes, I may just use them as they are in my head, we will see. Um, But one of the things that I have noticed and I have taken note of is that all throughout the scripture, there is a promise or promises of people who are living their lives in relationship with Jesus and that know Jesus, that there is the promise of joy. And just an observation, lots of Christians are not really joyful. Uh, They're not fun to be around. They're not happy. Um... 
they're annoyed by everything that happens in the world. They're reactive and all of that. Joy, joy, describing them as being full of joy would not be the way that I describe them. But what I think that we've done in the church in, in some ways, in some shape, form, or fashion, is we have... In some ways, we have taken, oh, well, God makes all of these promises in Scripture. And my life does not look like what these promises say. So these must not be entirely for me. And one of the things that we do as Christians is we often lower our standards to meet our reality. We lower our expectations of who God is to match with our current reality so that we can make sense of everything in, their, in our mind. Joy in our world doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. To live inside of the kingdom of God means that you are going to have to get really comfortable with not having an explanation for lots of things. Everything that we believe from the foundation of our faith is supernatural. From the very get-go, out of the gate, Jesus, born of a virgin, was lived sinless, was crucified, died and, and rose from the dead, and appeared normal. Everything that we believe is supernatural. One of the worst things that we do is read the scriptures. A lot of us don't read the scriptures, and that's okay. You can start. Not a big deal. A lot of us read the scriptures, and then we see our lives, and we see this gap. And we don't know how to explain that gap. So then we justify not having peace that passes all understanding. Joy in the middle of circumstances where you should not be full of joy. We, we take the gap and that becomes our justification. And I'm here to say that none of this is supposed to make sense or work. Like, you can't, you, like if you live your life baptized in the culture of our world, you will not be happy. Our world is set up to monetize your depression and anxiety. That's the way our world works. It's set up, we, we monetize everything. We monetize consumerism. We, we do everything. Like, like, I got tricked last week. I got some new green and red supplements, though. <laughs> right? We, like, I, I, I'm like walking through the house, and I'm like, man, I need to get healthy. The first thing I see, there's green supplements on my little thing. And I'm like, the devil is in my iPhone somehow. <laughs> but what we do is, is, is we justify the gap. However we need to justify it. Well, this doesn't make sense. None of what we believe makes sense. <laughs> it's supernatural. From the jump. And I believe that Christians are supposed to live in a way that is naturally Supernatural. Joy in our world is supernatural, like real joy. But there, there's this song. Who sings that song that I sent y'all in that text yesterday? 
Stephanie Gretzinger. I made you pronounce it because I always mess up her last name. I knew who sung it. I just needed to get the pronunciation. <laughs> Stephanie Gretzinger, she sings this, she sings this, they have this spontaneous moment at their church. And she says this, um, there's a line and we crossed it. Some would say that we've lost it, right? And then she says this, but we have found the joy in knowing you. We have found our joy in knowing you. So who cares, right? And so um, there's, there's reasons why, though, that you are not full of joy. Like, there's reasons why. And I think it's because my friend Paul Young talks about this extensively. But I believe that you, we as Christians have become more in tune with our false self than our true self. You have a false version of yourself, and then you have the true self, which is what God says about you. You have a version of you that is maybe trying really hard and you want to do this thing right, but there are things beneath the surface that you cannot get rid of. You don't know how to get rid of these things. There is, in, in spiritual formation, there is something called active spirituality and passive spirituality. And those two things, let me just define those really quick and then I'm going to have to move quickly through these. But active spirituality are the things that you do. It's coming to church. It's praying. It's reading your Bible. It's engaging with God. Passive spirituality are the things that God does or does not do. Now, most Christians are cool with the active part. But what about the passive part where God is responsible on this end to meet some expectation of, to meet your expectations in a way that may be unfair or to meet you however. Here's what we do know. Here's what we know for sure. This is what James 4 says. If we draw near to God, He draws near to us. The gift of what God does when he shows up is irrelevant. The gift is that he's there. We have put all of these stipulations on God to set us free, to deliver us, to make us not think the way that we used to think, to do all sorts of things, whatever. We put all these requirements on him that he has to do these things when he shows up. And I would argue... If you are waiting on him to do something when he shows up to you, you're missing this. The joy is knowing Jesus, not knowing what he does. Joy, that type of joy only comes from knowing him, being intimate with him. It, it could, he could never do another thing for you and you would still be full of it. That is counterculture to everything that we that we see, hear, feel, touch in our world. We want God, if we will admit it, to be sort of a genie for us. 
Do you know, like, sometimes I think that this is going to be real controversial for some people, but it's okay. Shocker, me saying something controversial. I am Tony Stark, after all. That's what I do. (laughs) But what if God does not deliver you from certain things out of his love for you? Because if you did, that would destroy you. I remember one time I was going through something in my life. I'm like, God, why don't you just set me free from this? And the Lord immediately spoke to me and says, because you're too prideful. And you would make this about something that you've done to get this. And so God will keep you. Maybe even in things that you might consider wrong. So that you don't destroy yourself. Because we have. I say this and you you get all the optimist and the pessimist in the room at the same time. And I'll know who you are depending on your reaction from this. Human beings are capable of so much. And the optimist says, yeah, they can be awesome. And the pessimist says, Yeah, we are really bad people. (laughs) Like, we are terrible humans. But there is a joy in knowing Jesus. But there is a false part of you that only God can deal with. And you have to be okay with that. I remember one time I was talking with a friend of mine and a counselor. And it was a Christian counselor. He knew what he was doing. He specialized in one thing specific. And I'll never forget this. I was just sitting there listening because I'm not a professional counselor and I wasn't there to give advice. I was just there, I guess, to, for moral support. And they said, I know the Bible inside and out. And he said, and I pray all the time. I pray for an hour every day. They're like, I never miss a church service. And he was like, why do I still do these things that I don't want to do? He was like, because there are some things that reading the Bible and praying and showing up to church just won't fix. God has to meet you in a moment to fix it. Now, reading the Bible and praying and showing up to church are all wonderful things, and you should do all of those things. There is a... To go deeper down the rabbit hole hole of spiritual formation, God meets you in your active spirituality. God, when you are active, when you are... Praying, showing up, reading your Bible, doing all the things that we do here. When you're gathering on Sunday, living in community, prioritizing family, giving generously, and serving your neighbor. God shows up in those moments, in the gaps, and meets you there. But consistency in those things matters. It matters, and it makes all the difference. And so... When we talk about the true self and the false self, there is a false self that lives in a particular way. 
And there is, a, there is the true self that lives in a particular way. And Christians are always in the struggle of being convinced of what God has to say about them. Because that is your true self. That is who He made you to be. Christians always, we always live with this sort of like, God says I am this, but I still do these things. Why? It's a really great question. One that I don't have all the answers to. Shocker. (laughs) But I will say this. In our culture, I believe that lack of joy and the false self manifest in so many ways. And then people who know who they are in God, that manifests in other ways. And you can tell, like when someone like comes up to me and they're like, yeah, I've been leading worship for however many years. I'm like, cool. Like, why'd you have to tell me that out of the gate? (laughs) Or they're like, especially in ministry, like ministry, people in ministry are the worst. We self-promote like nobody's business. We're the worst. We have to tell you all of our accolades before we even get to know you. And it's super strange. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I do know people who have written on very significant albums that have shaped Christian culture and all that, but it ain't like I'm name dropping every week, you know? Um, If those people would give us some money so that we could build a building, that would be great. (laughs) Um, But... Just putting that out there in the air in case that needs to be a word that somebody latches on to. Yes. But I, I read that scripture in Galatians because I want you to see something. The basic spiritual principles that, I, that Galatians talks about are the rules that the false self lives by. They're the... You, you know how uh, Kelby talked about this and I've talked about this before. They're, they're, God is a God of covenant. He's not a God of contracts. The false self lives by the rules of the contracts that we make with God. If I do, then God does. That's what the false self does. And it has a tendency to lean that way. And it will always sound something like this. I don't do enough. I don't pray enough. I don't read enough. I'm not consistent enough in church. I'm not enough, enough, enough. And it's what you are doing is measuring yourself in ways that God doesn't measure you. And what that is, if you want an Old Testament and New Testament thing here, what you are doing is, is you are living under the law. You've just made a new one. Anything that tells you that you have to do to be enough for God is trying to speak to the false self. It's trying to attach itself to who you are not. Like I used to, I had someone come up to me one time, they're like, I just don't give enough. And I was like, 
I guess give more. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? It's like, why don't you feel like that you give enough? This person's given like 25% of their income away. And I was like, you do realize that you'll never give enough if you keep measuring yourself by this standard. You'll never do enough because this is a standard that you have created. This is a law that you have created and you judge yourself based off that. And the only thing that laws in your life can do for you is bring condemnation. That literally is what Romans says the law is for. To condemn you. But God invites you out of this, out of these basic spiritual principles into the mystery of relationship. And it is most certainly a mystery because there are not boxes to check. And that's hard for us Americans. In fact, God so invites you out of living, living in those basic spiritual principles that He will let you give yourself to those type of things over and over and over and over again just to show you they don't work. Show you that they'll never work. And if we want to begin to even say that we have joy in our lives, you have to get free from self-condemnation. You have to get free from it. Of course you condemn yourself. You've created a God that isn't real in your mind. Like Jesus said this, Shocker. I don't come to the world to condemn it. And then all the time Christians live full of condemnation. It's, it's almost like we don't know what Jesus said. We probably don't. It's almost like we are not familiar enough with Jesus. And all of this walk, all of your walk, is you becoming familiar with Jesus and being made full of joy. Because when you become familiar with Jesus, the thing that you become most familiar with is his love for you. Becoming familiar with Jesus means that you start just base level with God is madly in love with me. And this cannot change under any certain type of circumstances. Meaning the ones that you create. Like I have people who deal with every issue will be solved one day through Jesus loving you. That's how all of our issues get solved. Through the love of Jesus. That's how they will be solved. It won't, they won't be solved 
by telling you who you're not. You know that version of Christianity where we have to like call you forward to make you say things about yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again that aren't true. We wonder why that Christians stay bound their entire lives. And it's because we tell you who you're not more often than we tell you who you are. It's like, oh, I wonder why they're living like they shouldn't live. It's because you don't know who you are. You are more familiar with the false version of yourself than you are familiar with what God has to say about you. And that version of yourself, that false self, its whole goal is to blind you to who God really says that you are. That's the enemy. It's to convince you of lies over and over and over and over again about yourself. Lies in what way? That disagree with what God has to say about you. Well, what if that's not my reality? Well, there's a lot of things that aren't our reality in the present moment that we believe in. There's a lot of things. And I think in order for you to be able to spot the false self that's stealing all your joy from you, I want to give you some things, okay? So in our world, I do believe this is what life looks like following a set of rules, following laws, following whatever. This is what it looks like. You're super reactive. Super reactive. This is what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself for he only does what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son does also. What is he, what is he trying to communicate? What is he trying to say? That there's a lot of stuff going on around me. And I don't react to everything. Because the father is not reactive. Have you ever met a person that their, their go-to is panic? It's like when you tell them something, they immediately start getting super reactive. Well, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. That's the false self. You are living in a place that is not peaceful. You cannot be reactive in our world and live full of joy. There's too many things to react to. You are thrown. There is something in your face that can make you react every single day of the week. There's something that can set you off every time you get on social media. There's something that set me off looking at social media this week. And immediately I was like, that's not who I am. I don't live reactive. Because Jesus did not live reactive. And I am... According to the scriptures, I am now in him. And so now anything, any way that I live that is not in alignment with you see the way that Jesus lived is the false self. But I think the first way it manifests in our world is to react to every single thing. Those people do not have peace. I know them. 
I'm, I'm very familiar with super reactive people because I used to be one. Every time there is something that goes wrong or something that you see that is wrong, take a second before you react to it. Maybe ask the Spirit what He has to say about it or thinks about it. You know, you can't hear God and what He has to say about situations that frustrate you. I remember one time I was super frustrated about a situation. I was like, Lord... What do you want me to know in this moment? And I just heard the Spirit say so clearly, there's nothing you can do about this. It was like, hmm, awesome. Thought it was my job to flip everything upside down for the kingdom of God. And then God, there's nothing you can do about it. The false self manifests. When you feel that thing in you that feels the need to react all the time. The second way, the second way, this is for sure true in our world. The false self would conv- it convinces you to move at a pace that's not compatible with love. It convinces you to fill your calendar up. Listen. There are some people who I know, I, I know some of you are sitting in this room, that you have to have every moment of your day planned. And if not, you feel like you're out of control. I'm just going to go ahead and set you free from something re- really quick this morning. You're not in control to begin with. It doesn't matter how scheduled you get. I've tried this. It doesn't work. I try to control my life. I tried to control my life for about three months with a schedule. I had to be put on medication. It's not a joke. Because I had no way to live with the Spirit. I had no room for Him to do something in me. It was just like, I even had like quiet time scheduled, which is fine. You know how all those, all those well, yeah, when I would grow up, they're like, you need an hour a day. Like, I've got I've to get an hour a day in. I'm going to start first thing in the morning. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to pray for an hour. If anyone in this room does that, I want to know if it's you. It's okay if you do. I just want to know if it's you or not. Because I have lots of questions that I have filed away in a cabinet for those who wake up and pray for an hour to start their day, mainly because I'm skeptical, because <laughs> I tried it and it don't work. You know, you like pray for two minutes, then it's like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I need to go back to bed. Something that I've learned over the years, I'm a night prayer. I pray at night. <laughs> it's easier. Someone told me one time, they're like, that's, the, well, there's this guy who's, he's a big word of faith guy. He was like, it's embarrassing that you say that you don't wake up for an hour and pray every day. And so I just asked him, I was like, it's interesting. 
Like, what can you do that I can't? <laughs> like, are you full of power to the point where you can heal every sick person that walks by? Obviously not. You know, they're not. Calvinists in word of faith people, man, they, me and them, they have problems with me only because I have problems with the things they say about God. You know, it's all good. But I think it's so important for you to live at a pace that is yoked together with Jesus. That is with Jesus. You know, we have ways of life here for that very reason. We have ways of life here. Gather on Sunday, live in community, prioritize family, give generously, and serve your neighbor. This is a rhythm of life that we hope you find and get into to slow your pace down to make you open to what God wants to do in you. Because the world that we live in is too fast. Second thing, or the third thing about or those that live without joy, is that they self-protect or they get really defensive. Anytime you feel your defense mechanisms coming up in your heart when someone says something or does something that you don't like, you can know that is not the real you. Anytime you feel the need to be overly defensive about something, you can know that that's not the real you. Like, that's not who God's created you to be. God, I don't know that he cares about anything that much for you to be that defensive over. Like, especially if it's like some dumb topic. Right? Don't be getting defensive over dumb things. Now, we ain't like Jesus yet. Right? Give you a little grace. This morning, a little mercy. We ain't like Jesus yet. If uh, you say something about my family, I'm going to get real defensive. Like, quickly. But I, I'm, like, I'm like one of those guys that's like, I get defensive and immediately I become offensive. Like, really quick. <laughs> Be careful. It's like, I, like, I self-protect... In a way, like, I don't, like, protect myself. Like, I protect myself ferociously. And those that I love ferociously. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with protecting those that you love. There's nothing wrong with feeling a certain way when injustice is done to those that you love. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the way that God feels towards you. When you feel that, when you see that someone that you love has been treated not rightly or they've been treated not just and something's happened to them and you get that you get that emotion that says this is not right that is from God that is from God what you do with that makes all the difference makes all the difference so you'll 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 self-protect then you'll self-promote and this is probably the one that plagues our society the most. We self-promote because we're insecure. And we're insecure because we're not secure in God. We're insecure because we believe that God doesn't have us secure. 
Like, that's why we feel the need to self-promote. And like I said, ministry people are the worst about this. Like if you go into a green room anywhere, the first thing that they start listing off is your, their accolades, which is just so strange. It's weird. But if you know those people, and you know those people that feels the need to promote themselves, it's usually because they have a need in their heart to be seen. And they want you to see them. And that will not work either. Even if you do see them, it will only fix it for a moment. They have to know that they're seen by God before that self-promotion thing ever gets fixed. You have to be convinced that God sees you. And so that's what life, I think, looks like living with the law. Life living with God, I think, looks different, especially as it pertains to joy. And I'm going to get through these quickly. The people who I know who are the most joyful... I'm going to list some things off that may not be what you think I'm going to say, but just hang with me. The people that I know that are the most full of joy, they have a particular way that they live. And the first way is that they live playfully. They can have fun. They can laugh. They're not so serious. There's some people that I know that are more serious than God. I'm just like, dear Jesus, why are you so serious all the time? I think it's important for you to note, it's important for you to note that there is a side of you that needs to laugh. There is a side of you that needs to let go of all the pressure that you put on yourself. So that you can be full of joy. Listen, this is what Edwin Freeman says. He says, a major criteria for judging, um, for judging anxiety and lack of joy in any society is its loss of its capacity to be playful. It's a loss of its capacity to be playful. This is what G.K. Chesterton says. And this is about children. Because children have abounding joy. Because they are in spirit, fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They'll always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. But for the grown-up, that person, they are not strong enough to live in that type of monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be an automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. And it may be that he has an eternal appetite for infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father, who is eternal, is even younger than us. 
our inability to stay playful communicates a lack of joy in our lives. Like if you want joy in your lives, hang out with funny people. Just some advice. Here's, some, here, here's another just piece of advice that I'll give you to be playful. Relax. And just keep showing up. When people think about their relationship with God, sometimes when they talk about it, I'm like, good God. That's a lot of rules that they're following. There is a joy of knowing Jesus that only comes through a relational connection. It will, you will not know Jesus through a set of rules or stipulations. He refuses to let you know him like that because that's not him. It's not him. He refuses to let you work yourself into being loved. What about God's expectations of me? Which ones? Because most of the time, those come from church culture, not the New Testament. God's expectation of you, let me just sum it up, is to be deeply loved by Him, and then love with that same love. And there's ways, there's obviously ways that lead to a life of love and there's ways that you can live your life that doesn't lead to love. And I said this er earlier, but hurry is incompatible with love. So God will slow you down so that you can catch up with him to allow you to be loved. So that, you know, we move slowly we must move slowly at the pace of love we must move slowly at the pace of love. that's number two for people who i think live full of joy they move slowly at the pace of love they live gentle lives gentle lives and i do mean something specific by gentle this is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy, hairy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke. Let me teach you, because I am humble and I'm gentle. I am humble and I'm gentle. There is a gentleness to God that you need to be introduced to. God is not rough around the edges. God is not mean. God is not aggressive. He's gentle with you. And if you want to learn of that gentleness, you have to slow down so that you can be with God. Jansen, you can come on up. Then there's a humility. 
that comes with that as well. But these are the last two, and this is what I'm going to say. The last two things I think you need to know about people who live full of joy. The people who can say, I've got joy, and it not be faith talk. It not be like a wish. The people who I can say, who I know that they, they say, I've got joy, and they mean it. They know this. They know that they are seen and that they're cared for by God. They know that they're seen and they're cared for by God. This is what Matthew 6 says. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Listen, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? People who are full of joy, know, they know that God cares about them. They know that they are seen, right? The last thing, they know they're loved. They are convinced above else that God loves them. They're convinced above everything else. This is what Colossians 1 says. We pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power so that you will have all endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light, for He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave us of our sins. Christ is supreme. I want you to listen to this next part. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. And through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his faithfulness, listen to this, was pleased to live in Christ. And, though, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Listen to this. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him, please listen to this, by your evil thoughts and actions. It does not say 
that you were separated from God because he couldn't look upon your sin. It says that your evil thoughts and actions separate you from God. Listen, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. That's who God says you are. But what about, I already hear it. But what about, yeah, like, you were once, like, you, you do notice that all of those things are like in, in the past tense, right? You were once separated from God. Like the cross happened already. Bringing, Jesus bringing you into the kingdom of God has already happened. You are just not aware of that. You are, you are out of this kingdom because of your thoughts and really because of the false self. Because the false self has convinced you convinced you that you have to do all of these things to measure up to receive this inheritance and bringing it back full circle the first thing that I read was talking about the inheritance that we have in the kingdom of God and it literally says this by the basic spiritual principles by the basic spiritual principles you should have to die or someone has to die so that you can receive this inheritance. Well, they did. Jesus did. And so now we don't live under the rule of having these principles that we lived up to. Jesus has lived up to everything for us. And now he has given us that same thing. And so this morning, I want you to stand with me. And typically in a service, especially in a church that is, we believe in the moving of the spirit and all of that fun stuff. Typically in a service, there would be some really big powerful altar call to pray for those who are depressed and and we will if you need prayer and you're depressed we'll have people come forward and you can get prayer for sure but more than that I want you to let the reality of Colossians 1 go deep within you that you stand before God blameless and without fault exactly the way that you are in this moment. And you're trusting the work of the Spirit to catch your mortal body up to that reality. Where it takes faith, where it requires faith, is that you know 
you know that you are technically guilty. But God and His Word says that you're not. That's the measure of our faith, or that's the part of our faith that requires faith. It's to believe that we stand before God blameless. Even when we know technically we're not blameless. And when you allow that reality to sink into your heart, that you are blameless and you stand before God and He does not find any fault within you. When that becomes real to you, you'll have joy. You'll be able to say, I've got joy. Not because of what you've done or what you didn't do, but because your mind has been set on something that God has done. And you've stopped measuring yourself according to these elementary spiritual principles. So I'm going to pray over you this morning. And if you need prayer, you can come forth at any point. We're going to have people down here in the front praying for you. And then, uh, if not, we'll see you next week for Throwback Sunday. It's going to be great. But I want to pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence in this room. Lord, I pray that you would fill all of us with joy, with the revelation of Jesus, with the invi- and, and, and let us accept the invitation of coming to know you. Let us find joy in the relationship side of this. Not in the following of the rules, but in the relationship side of this. Let that be what makes us full of joy, full of life. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room today that your favor would be on them, that your mercy would be on them, that they would become everything they are meant to be in you, and that they would live full of joy, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I love you guys and so thankful that you're here today. Um, I hope to see you on your way out. hope to talk to you for a minute. But if not, be back here next Sunday, next Sunday for Throwback Sunday. I want to see some suits. I want to see some ties. I want to see some big hats.